What up? It's Adam Ray for the About Last Night podcast. I got a question for you guys. Uh, Do you know what the only thing better than winning your fantasy football league is? (laughs) Do you? I think you do, but I'm going to tell you anyway. It's constantly reminding the other owners that you did. That's what I'm talking about. And at DraftKings.com, you can prove that you're the superior GM every week. All right? If you don't know what DraftKings is, you should by the end of this ad. All right? DraftKings is America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. One-week fantasy. That means no season-long commitments. All right? One week. So you can play whenever you want in a variety of contests. All right? Challenge your friends. You got friends, right? Yes. We'll challenge them in a custom league or join an existing one to play for your share of the millions of dollars in prizes that are up for grabs this season. Here's what you got to do. Just pick your contest, draft your players, and collect your winnings, your money, your dough, your dollars. That's it. Renew old rivalries and create new ones with your buddies by playing head-to-head with friends, co-workers, and fantasy players from all over the country. You could be playing a guy in Pakistan, a guy in Peru, and a guy in Burbank. Uh, it's it's that fucking cool. All right, so hurry to DraftKings.com right now. Use the promo code ALN and play for free with your first deposit in this Sunday's $1 million fantasy contest. Did you hear me? This Sunday's $1 million fantasy contest. Play for free using promo code ALN, okay? First place takes home hundred grand and a lifetime of bragging rights. This isn't fantasy as usual, baby. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Enter ALN for free entry now only at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Go Seahawks. Fuck the Broncos. <laughs> Sorry, Brad. Hey, everybody. It's Adam Ray and Brad Williams for the About Last Night podcast. I'm here for this one. Yes. Woo-hoo! Finally. <laughs> uh, this... Uh, I didn't. This episode, this guest, I didn't think was even in the realm of possibility. Right. Because neither one of us know or knew him personally. Right. We didn't. We wouldn't even know how to get in touch with him. You, uh, our guest today is the one and only, a guy whose career who spans over thirty years. Yeah. The voice of Bobby from Bobby's World created that show. The voice of Gizmo and Gremlins. The host of one of the most successful, if not the most successful, game show uh, globally of all time, Deal, Deal or No, no Deal. Deal. Uh, uh, Judge on America's Got Talent Author um, uh, Critically acclaimed stand-up comedian He put a damn rubber glove on his head, Adam <laughs> We're talking about Howie Mandel Howie Mandel Brad met Howie Mandel uh, at the Laugh Factory I did And you shoot me a text, you go I'm here with Howie Mandel, I'm talking I'm gonna try to get him on the podcast I texted back a dick pic And then I said, I'm sorry, <laughs> that was not for you No, <laughs> that is not true, I've never you said a dick what? pic On record, I've never said a dick pic uh, You know what, you say that, but it was, it was a solid girth I can't do it. I've talked. I'm, ta- I'm talking about this on stage now. I go. I can't send a dick pic. I go, but I still want to give girls what they want. So I send them a picture of a guy in a Hummer parking in a handicap spot. And I go, there. Are you satisfied? I just send a picture of Dick Van Dyke, but that works better. Nice, nice. I'll add that to the joke. Exactly. Uh, do it. So you meet him. Yeah, and he was so nice. And uh, comics just have that bond where, as soon as another comic comes up to you and says, "Hey, I'm a comedian." Immediately, all all shields are down. Yeah. You're like, oh, great! I can talk. We're to in you. the same I world. Can, I can relate to you. And we and and we talk for a bit. And I say, I'm gonna. Go, I got this, I got this podcast. It's fun. We've had and I go through the people that yeah. we've had on, we'll which is Rolodex. huge, by the way. When you talk about Paul Feig, Melissa McCarthy, Dana Carv, Kevin Neal, all yeah, all the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it makes people go, oh, cool. That it just it helps to legitimize. Absolutely. Like when we were starting out, and no knock to them, but it, when we were like, yo, we've had on. 
you know, Dennis Haskins. Who, and, personal hero of ours, yeah. but maybe... To us, that was a big deal. Yeah. But for someone else, That was not, not helping like, us get oh, Tony great. Danza. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you, so, which, you know, helping us getting Tony Danza, that was the goal the entire time. Yeah. Now, <laughs> we're just playing with house money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I tell him about that, and then I say, hey, I, I, got, I got to go on stage, and he, and he says, I will watch your set. And I go, oh, okay, great. And yeah. So, then you, so in your head, you're thinking, okay, crush hard as yeah, possible. Do, g- do go all the nuts. hits. Uh, yeah, playing the hits. Uh, if now that's what I call music, had a collection of, of dwarf uh, jokes. Of dwarf jokes. <laughs> play those. <laughs> we want to hear Lenny Kravitz fly away for the ninth time. By the way, that's what, if they run out of hit songs, and now that's what I call music 40, 49 or <laughs> Is just is all Brad Williams material? No, that's what I call music. Volume 127. It's your favorite dwarf jokes of all time. <laughs> wait, 19 so, tracks by so, Brad Williams. Wait, sung by OMC. <laughs> how bizarre. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, I get off stage and I walk right up to where I know how he's going to be, which is up in the little balcony area of the Lab Factory. And how he just looks at me and he and he points at me. And goes, I will do your podcast. Wow. And I'm like, wow. yeah. Brad, gee, you you basically your set was the audition to have him on the podcast. Pretty much, he 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 based the entire uh, experience off of that. They, now with, you did do a set it. and crush. You didn't stand up there and go, "I will kill myself if <laughs> Howie Mandel does not do my podcast." Well, I mean, that was my closer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally. Uh, well, that was incredible, and that was an even more incredible text to receive on my end because, yeah. again. A juggernaut of this business, man. And as yeah. you guys will hear on this episode, the stories, hearing these stories of of, Incredible. of Gremlins and Bobby's World and how Deal or No Deal almost, I mean, how it ha- happened is mind-blowing because right. of the presentation and how, how against doing a game show he, he was. He didn't want to do it. Uh, and just also his insight on 30 years of the business. Right. Um, dealing and, with OCD. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, he's the guy that he doesn't shake your hand. He... Gives you a fist bump, yeah, which is you know, and then he he talks a little bit about that, and just I I I forget, and he talked about this in the episode where I forget that he is a working comedian yeah. still, and you hear it in this episode how funny he is, how quick he is, how he how he yes ands everything, how when he's going on the uh, road to do corporate gigs, he'll pop into comedy clubs to yeah. work on material. I mean, it's like yeah. it doesn't stop, and that's one of the no. great thing about. When you really get into the, uh, the nitty gritty of being a comic, it's like the work doesn't stop, right. and you know don't. I mean, you and I both uh, have said it, and we and we do it sometimes. We're we're in certain cities, if we meet comics after the show, and they're like, "Oh, we're going to do this open mic," you know, sure. we'll, after doing an hour, two hour shows, we'll go, eh, "Fuck it, let's go, let's do an op- pop in and do yeah, it, do an open mic." Because why not? Not doing them in in uh, L.A. anymore because I think you just you, it's part of the process. You graduate sure. to the next level and you don't go back and do those. But when you're on, but to never think you're a Above doing that, yeah, and never stop getting better. And, and uh, how he's definitely doing that. And also, he's just—it's um, so inspiring for me to be like, "Wow, you have done so much, and you're still so funny and so generous." And I felt very comfortable with him. Like he—you had had that rapport. I had mm-hmm. nothing, and we improvised. I'm not going to say the name of the show that we opened with. It's good. I didn't, I didn't know how what how the first few minutes were going to go. We ended up improvising a fake um, reality show. You'll, you'll, you'll like it. <laughs> just, just enjoy it. Um, listen to it uh, and uh, tweet at Howie. Tell him how much you love him. Tweet at him at Howie Mandel on Twitter. Tweet mm-hmm. at us uh, at Adam Ray Comedy at Funny Brad. And now, 
at the brand new About Ooh. Last Night podcast Twitter. Uh, yes, follow the About Last Night podcast on Twitter to get all the news about... Uh, What's that Twitter album? handle? A-L-N podcast. That's A-L-N podcast. Yeah. Follow us. You get tons of information about the podcast, about us when we're doing stand-up, and just... Random funny things that we'll that we'll find entertaining. Yep, our boy uh, Norman is uh, uh, helping us uh, run that, and mm-hmm. he's just going on a, a fucking tweet rampage and uh, <laughs> helping grow the pod and uh, and keep you guys up to date on everything. So follow that ALN podcast uh, and come see us live, Brad. Where are you going to be? Uh, November twelfth and thirteenth. I'm going to be in Kansas City, Kansas City, Missouri. I'm going to be at the Improv November 12th and 13th and also going to my favorite barbecue joint, Oklahoma Joe's Barbecue. Yeah. I will be there. It's at it, a gas station, right? It is at a gas station. It is awesome. So I, I will be there in Kansas City at the Improv. Rochester, New York, November 19th through the 21st. I will be at the Comedy Club. That's right. It's called the Comedy Club. And it's in Rochester, New York, November 19th through 21st. And then Thanksgiving weekend. Burbank, California, November 27th to the 28th. I'm going to be at Flappers doing four shows Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, you got relatives coming in. You're you're, 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 you're getting annoyed because your aunt is telling the story about how you pissed your pants at the third grade recital for the ninth time. I'm not saying this from per- some personal experience. Yes, you are. Damn it. Uh, so you want, you want to get away from them. Come see me. At Flappers in Burbank that weekend. Adam, where are you going to be, my friend? Uh, well, this Wednesday, uh, November 11th, I will be at the Lyric Theater in Los Angeles, California, with nice. Elijah Schlesinger, Steve Ranazizi for the Super Secret Show. Come see that. It's the no Lyric- longer a secret. It's not. It's not a secret. <laughs> it's actually quite well known. Uh, the Lyric Theater, Los Angeles, California, November 11th at eight o'clock. And then uh, November 24th, I'll be headlining the Irvine Improv at 8 p.m. in Irvine, yeah. California. And then uh, San Francisco, California, I'm coming to you guys November 25th through the 28th over Thanksgiving weekend at one of my favorite clubs in the world, The Punchline in San Fran, November 25th through the 28th. And then right after that, I'll be going to West Nyack, New York. Uh, it's about 45 minutes outside of the city oh, yeah. at Levity Live. Uh, Levity Live. First time there. You've done it. Uh, I'm going to do it. You're going to do it. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but you've it, done it. Yeah. It, it's great. Great club. West Nyack, New York. Uh, Levity Live. Come see me December 3rd through December 5th. And, uh, and and come out to the shows. And, of course, bring your merch. Your merch. Uh, your your shirts. Your mugs. Uh, I was and just in where, Tempe. And where can you get these sh- uh, About Last Night podcast shirts and mugs, Adam, right? www.estoymerchandise.com. There you go. E-S-T-O-Y merchandise.com. Get your ALN merch. Bring it to the shows. I was just in Tempe and signed maybe nine mugs. And that was... That, that, that's mugs, not jugs. <laughs> they were mugs on jugs. Mugs on jugs. I signed that's, mugs. That's my favorite Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> How did you know that? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Mugs on Jugs. Hey. Well, basically, we just see how many coffee mugs we can stack on top of big old titties. <laughs> we'll be right back. It's like, well, I would love to watch that. Yeah. Uh, yes, bring your bring your About Last Night podcast merchandise. We will sign it. We'll take pictures w- w- with you. We will retweet those pictures because uh, we like meeting you guys. We like meeting you guys. And, uh, I mean, some of the stories uh, from fans coming up at shows um, yeah. is really awesome. And the letters and emails we've been getting just of, uh, of how much the pod 
is a part of your life is is kind of mind-blowing and really makes it extra special because love we love doing this and so uh to hear that you guys love listening is awesome so many great episodes coming down the pipeline uh a couple more uh best ofs we got part two and part three coming up yeah. uh, a holiday special episode with jaleel white is in the works right. uh so much fun those are the twitter handles that's the merch info those are the tour dates and now sit back relax and enjoy a very special very very special episode of the about last night podcast with mr howie mandel well the weekend's over so it's time to chat about it got a midget and a jew so why don't you sit down and listen to a no podcast during lunch dinner or breakfast brad williams and adam ray are here for you any time of the day so come on and treat yourself it's about last night. How long have you had this spectacular warehouse here? Uh, this is uh, I've had this warehouse uh, for about a year now. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's spectacular. It's a warehouse. <laughs> but it's right in the heart of where it all happens. Yeah. The uh, Porn Valley, you mean? I'm in the heart <laughs> of it. It's very funny because I was looking at a warehouse. For years, we had offices on the uh, lot at Universal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Uh, I, and and I wanted to have my own. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be renting offices at some, so so I started looking. I thought the valley, and I wanted to be in the valley. And I thought I want to, but I want to be close to film. Mm-hmm. So what film is done in the valley? Porn. Porn right. So when I was looking at warehouses, because I had a lot to to do, a lot of them, a lot came with showers, a lot came with mattresses, a lot came oh with. Oh God, used you know, or But new? this was an actual warehouse. They were okay. actually manufacturing. So I took this and kind of gutted it and built. Now I want to know: Was did you bring in the ping pong table, or are porn stars big pong players? There was no porn in here, but the building next door yeah. is porn. Yeah. Right. You know. So I thought you were about to say it's haunted, but maybe it is haunted by porn. <laughs> Porn haunted. <laughs> Has there been like a haunted porn? No, but they're probably. Well, there, actually, there should be. There should, should there be like ghost hunters? But instead, that they just go to like old porn sets and be like, "If you can, Dick if hunters. you can hear us, give us a sign. Make some jism drop ghost, from the ceiling." Ghost hunters. <laughs> That's what be. I think it's haunted in there. Yeah, yeah. let's go in. <laughs> you know that that makes That's sense because when there's a haunted house yeah. and then they get out you, when yeah. you see those movies I, I don't really like horror movies because yeah. it's bullshit like if you if you were scared right why would you go back in yeah. right right yeah but if you thought a vagina was haunted <laughs> everybody would go back in and then out and then in yeah. and then back in again it's the power and of I that think product. I left my cat in there let me go back in it's the power of pussy. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that that would be something to where when your friend is bragging about how he's had like a Maxim model or something, we you, you would kind of be able to look at and be like, you ever have ghost pussy? Oh, my God. Doesn't wow. compare. Jesus. Doesn't compare. But I just, the only part of it, I don't mind the hauntings and the sounds coming out of there and the, the, the creaking and that. It's the cobwebs. Creaking. You don't want cobwebs in there. You don't. No. You don't ever want cobwebs. <laughs> Not in there. If you take anything away from this podcast no, and Howie Mandel, dark you don't want Something co- is tickling your face. I don't think that's, whoa, did you hear that? <laughs> Let's go in deeper. Let's go in deeper. <laughs> see, this uh, see this is what I love about you, Howie, is, is, is you just kind of, and 
no matter what you're doing in your career, you're, you're, you've always been great at improv. You've always been able to just kind of go. And uh, like, I don't know that that's improvisation. <laughs> is that considered improv? Was that a bit? To <laughs> Brad, that was his ghost hunter's bit. Oh, you haven't heard it yet. Yeah. The, the world famous ghost hunter bit. Yeah, for years. I saw I've been it on. Thinking about it. I saw an old Carson clip where you were running <laughs> it on the show. Yeah, ghost hunter. And, but, uh, but I'm getting a reading. <laughs> You know what? That would be. I'm not a single guy, but I'm not married. But that would be. Yeah. I would actually use that as a pickup line. That sure. They find that if you believe you could talk to women, if mm-hmm. you, and you tell the women that you believe, what is it called when you're a possessed? Yes. Yeah. How does a spirit get into you? Yeah. Okay. Through your vagina. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to attach a little meter. Yeah. To the end of my penis. Yeah. And it's not, we're not fucking. No, no, no. Get that out of your head, Susan. No, no. Yeah. I'm ghost hunting. Ghost hunting. What I'm There's doing a difference. If you would listen. I just want to get a reading. Yeah. I just want to get a reading. I'm going to put and, a crystal and on and the end of my make sure that it's all clean in here. Yeah. And the whole family can move just, it. <laughs> this house is clear. Yes. <laughs> because I once met the, the Amityville whore. <laughs> The Amityville whore, not not horror. No, the Amityville, Amityville whore. Whore, yeah. yes. Um, <laughs> because a family was once massacred in her vagina <laughs> years ago, and then another family moves in. Wait, and then, and then so then the, the walls of the vagina just start talking like, yes. get out. Like that. Nice. <laughs> Come in. <laughs> Come again. <laughs> nice. Wow. Wow. Can so that's... Imagine? Nobody oh. does that. Is Are there porn... Uh, por- porn. There's got to be porn has parodied. Uh, I feel like most everything because yeah. then I've seen sketches where they are, are you know doing parodies of parodies. Yeah. Um, I want to just say one thing because you are a master of voices. Now Brad just took a stab at a potential voice of the vagina in that scenario. <laughs> right. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. And uh, as a as a guy who does voices on the reg, um, do you think that would be the go to? Or, or do you have, if you were to do a voice of a vagina, <laughs> would, there, would, there, would there be some other take on We it? like to ask the hard-hitting okay, questions yeah, on yeah, this that's podcast. Good. That's good. <laughs> Where did that come from? It's, it's got to come from like inside the pants or beneath the dress. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's got to be tight-lipped. Yes. Yeah, well, you can't I enunciate. mean, <laughs> pun, I mean, pun intended. T- yes. Tight lips. Yes. Hello. <laughs> Hello. It sounds like an older Skeeter. <laughs> Ske- but Ske- it, Skeeter is a good name for that. <laughs> Did you see her Skeeter? Wow. <laughs> see it? Oh my God! I lived in it. Yes. You you uh, 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 you wanted to have a Skeeter rather than an animal. <laughs> Muppet Babies is forever changed for me. I'm never gonna look at this. <laughs> Oh God! I mean, that, uh, my childhood is just taking a dramatic turn for I don't how, know the worst. How he's entertaining. How did the uh, gig of Muppet Babies even uh, come to be? Was that were you already I well? Had one voice. You know, I do different voices. Yeah. but I got uh, hired to do. I did the uh, first. I, I did well. I did that voice, the Bobby voice. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, when I was a kid, I was choking on something. At a birthday party, and mm-hmm. when your voice is happening, you know, people say, "How do you do that?" And it's not like a falsetto where you try to talk high. Right. That's not what it is. But when I, when my throat was half closed, so something was halfway down my throat, and I okay. don't try this at home. But I was choking on something. Are we still? Are, are we still talking out. about porn? 
we can give it, I'll segue into porn. Jesus, okay. Brad, okay. we're trying to transition. Sorry. You know when you take a balloon and you blow up a balloon and then you stretch the the nipple? Here we yes. Go. Yes, you stretch the nipple of the balloon and it squeezes out at a high note. Right. I was trying to get air out. I had something halfway down my throat and I'm going, help me. Help me. I can't. Oh my That's God. the voice that was coming out. That was the voice. And people are laughing, and I'm dying. <laughs> and then luckily got dislodged, and I live. But I thought to myself, this was an amazing, besides a near-death experience, Sure, I had an audience. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to replicate How old were you that at that age? Home, probably 11 or 12. So wow. that was maybe your first uh, recognition of like, oh, like you well, getting- Nobody really enjoyed me, but they were looking <laughs> and fascinated by the voice. I mean, I was just at the birthday party gotcha. like, because it was a cousin. Right. Death, you and, know? death and funny sounds. But then I learned to make that voice. I, I trained the muscles in my throat to tighten my throat, and I could yeah. squeeze the air through. I can do that voice when I have no voice, when laryngitis, because it's only air. Right. I'm doing it with air. Oh, shit. You know, I'm just pushing air through. Like the top of a balloon when you stretch a balloon. Yeah. yeah. You know, so. So, um, and then I, and then I would go to school and in the back of the class, I could go, help me. <laughs> and people would laugh. The teacher would catch me and go, Howie, if you have something funny to say, yeah. tell the whole class to talk yeah. about that in my, in yeah. my act. Yeah. But anyway, I started doing that voice. And when I came out here and did comedy in stand up comedy, I was doing that on stage, mm-hmm. the voice as a, you know, Be- a, a baby talking filthy. Right. Cause you didn't have, like, you didn't have the idea of Bobby's world in your head like that or or no it yeah. was in my knee <laughs> i didn't have any i was just going to do stand up my right. whole uh, career is an accident you know as i got dared to get up on stage to do stand up because in the mid 70s you know these comedy clubs were coming up i'm from toronto canada and, mm-hmm. and the comedy club came up there and was it yuck yucks back then or it was yuck and it still is yeah. all right yes it still is yuck yuck so i went to, in the mid 70s when disco was all the rage i was not into disco i'm, I'm not a clubber i don't mm-hmm. go dancing i don't like dancing i don't play poker <laughs> i don't do sports right. really boring I'm <laughs> and, and i mean uh we went because uh, i hadn't been to a live stand-up comedy show yeah you know i'd seen in toronto second city mm-hmm. which was sketches but i had not seen live stand-up beyond the tonight show so i went and it was fascinating to see somebody live you know riffing and telling jokes yeah. and saying things that seemed in the 70s you know pushing the envelope like i had never seen beyond the you know the language and what they were talking about it was hysterical it was electric it was alive and then at the end of the show the uh host got up and said you know monday nights are amateur nights and the people at the table that i said you should go on i went oh okay <laughs> so i i i showed up on that monday it's important to have those friends by the way to give you that little extra boost right because in the end of it you know of the friendship because you could have went <laughs> because i didn't really plan on what i was going to do and what so was going to happen you didn't have notes or anything like that or did you have uh, any sort of well, idea i did homework in school and there was no reason i don't have a ged i didn't <laughs> so i went okay i'll show up yeah because i they said i'm funny Right. And so I went up and that was the beginning of my career. I mean, it was just the first time I heard a laugh was, you know, like a warm blanket. You know? <laughs> this shit. is it. This is. Right. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, it's incredible. It. And, and n- still not an inkling of this could be a, a career. Right. So I would show up three, four times a week and they were giving me spots and I could do this voice. And, I, you know, I would uh, talk as a in, in this baby voice, Bobby, but I would do talk filthy right. talk about filthy things so the juxtaposition of you know yeah you know the uh, filthiness in this voice by the way yeah, I, I feel like having that voice is 90 some percent of it because it's like it insert filthy thing yeah. because the voice is so spot on and believable as yeah. a yeah <laughs> like what kind of thing so would you have the baby <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I'm laughing. I mean, yeah, it, and there's not even a joke there. Yeah, yeah. it's just to, to have this voice. Say, it's so innocent. <laughs> you know, so that, I used to get cereal. laughs really easy laughs. But anyway, I I uh, I forget what the question was, well, but I'm going to continue the, the, to answer. the voice of Bobby. So you're doing oh, it on no, stage? No, no, no. It was the voice of Skeeter. Yeah. yeah. So, so so I started doing stand up when I came out here on vacation to Los Angeles. On vacation, I went to the comedy store to see the the mecca right. of of comedy because this is what year then 78 77 78 so who's going up at that point yeah who's their guys the um mc is david letterman holy shit uh, uh no so pretty much nobody's nobody yeah you just know, hacks and, uh, <laughs> but we're trying to get dave on the podcast oh okay. sorry yeah. <laughs> yeah so so david letterman billy crystal who was doing soap at the time robin williams i'd see Jeez. rodney dangerfield working out his tonight show sets yeah in the other room it was like really the mecca johnny carson would stop in to work out his his sets for the uh uh, just, uh, just like played, the Tonight Show monologues. Vegas. No, Vegas. He was oh, okay. Doing, he was doing Vegas. I watched. Uh, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead when, yeah, I, when I made it out here, not like to, to live. Not I hadn't made it. Mm -hmm. I would go every night. I watched uh, Richard Pryor go on every night and work out his set for live on the Sunset Strip. Oh my! Which God. kind that, of was that set the most um, moving, um, career changing time in my career because I saw what. It was like to saw the best. I did see the best, and he is certainly the best, and he was he is my inspiration. But the bravery in being able to get up on stage and work it out, yeah, right, you know, and you and see learn the process, and listen, and watch the process, and yeah. you know, uh, you know, it was because just, up up until that point, you were maybe not as fearless. Do you is it safe to say? Or, I didn't or, understand. Yeah, you know, everything was happenstance. It was by accident. You know, I went up and I acted goofy. You know, uh, if people remember me from the seventies and the early eighties, the truth is, I got up on stage the first time unprepared mm -hmm. you know and uh what i learned from that uh, and and then i got really nervous because i went ladies and gentlemen howie mandel there was a light in my face and all right. these people strangers are looking at me and i went oh my god oh oh okay 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 and i started doing okay and they started laughing at okay yeah okay yeah all right and then i went what 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 are you laughing at and yeah. my act was really you kind of smack yourself this, on the head nervous yeah, yeah. neurotic crazy energy asking them what they were and just and making weird noises and laughing and it was just fear it was a total fear but what i right. learned was the honesty of you know letting something die if it does die talking about the you know if people uh, see you struggling even mm -hmm. if you're struggling and you admit you're struggling yeah. there's a relatability on your side. that yeah. kind of yeah. worked but anyway so i started doing these voices on stage and i was doing them at the tonight show and i went in and auditioned for uh, muppet babies mm -hmm. and that was the one voice i was doing so i did i did uh Skeeter. Yeah. Uh, did you audition no, for Jim Henson? I, I did see Jim Henson. I mean, oh, man, Jim a Henson. hero of mine. A so hero I mean, of mine. Oh, my God. What was that? It's amazing if you go do, uh, if you go in New York to... The Creature do, Shop or what? The, no, if no. you go to do Fallon, oh. um, down the hall from Fallon, and it's been down the hall from, you know, when Letterman was there was yeah, when sure. I first saw it. The the very first Tonight Show was in that is in that stage, you know. That I think that's where Steve Allen yeah. did wow. his show. Yeah. And Jim Henson, who was just a puppeteer, and it was way before the Muppets became yeah. what they became, was a guest on the Tonight Show. And in his dressing room, which they have since opened up on that floor, in his dressing room, they ripped off the wall, and Jim Henson 
out of the pipes and the uh, the plumbing, he made Muppets. He drew what later what? became like Beaker and and Kermit, and he drew all those there. And he's got it all. It's all Jim Henson's art. He goes, you know, he was waiting two hours or three hours to get on the show from the time he went in and rehearsed. Yeah, couldn't shut that creativity off on the pipes. And now they have that wall open. If you walk down the hall, they will show you. There's a plaque on it. I think it's part of the tour where you can see Jim Henson waiting, creating all that art. That's on just that, on real. Just scribbling in his downtime. Yes. And and and, and it's brilliant. And, yeah, he was that magic. a genius. He right? was a genius. Yeah. So I went and did that, and then um, Wait, my, so did, uh, did he? I mean, how did you? You read for him, and he, did he give you direction, or did he? You just kind of did the voice, and he was like, "That's great." Or yeah, and that was it. I got that. I don't remember that being such a, uh, a long process, yeah. but he just thought that would be cool for Skeeter and he we had a read through I actually auditioned for somebody else but then I, I met him at the first read through of the Muppet Babies and do they give you the because um, uh, I read for a lot of animation now and that's like a dream of my you know now that I have nieces and stuff all I want to do is be a voice of a cartoon right and uh, and you know a lot of times you get the you know picture or a description of the yeah. character is that how it was or sometimes they yeah just, they gave me a picture of the yeah. character but Skeeter was already a, this is this is Muppet Babies yeah so Skeeter right. is already a character that Existed, right? But so not, now you just have to, sister, yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, scooter yeah. sister. So now you just have to do the and kid I, version of that. And I did that, and I did Animal because yeah. I had heard Animal. So mm-hmm. and and I did Beaker, you know, which is really too? high. No, be. If you don't listen to me, I'll make your sister oh. disappear. He was a scientist. The that's right. Scientist with a lisp. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> scientist with a lisp. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who who? And then Beaker had like a buddy that Bunsen was Honeydew, and he was the high pitched one. I, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. The, me, 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 like yes. that one, right? Okay. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I'm trying to get all my ducks in a row yeah. here. Ducks. Those are puppets. <laughs> True. So anyway, I went, I did that show. And my friends um, who uh, were uh, Second City, uh, Jim Stahl and Jim Fisher. Yeah. yeah. Jim Stahl is, uh, on Mork and Mindy, he played Mindy's brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or he was, I think he was even the mayor on Mork and Mindy. He was a good friend of mine, and I knew him from the comedy store. And uh, Fox was going to start their network. They started their network with Joan Rivers doing her late-night show. Right. And they wanted to start a Saturday morning Fox Children's Network. Mm-hmm. And they had a development deal because they're great writers. They wrote a bunch of movies. And if I had Google in front of me, I would figure out which movies they wrote. But they're Air really Bud good Seven? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Classics. Talking about classics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they, they, so they had a development deal, and, and uh, they had a development deal for Saturday morning for cartoons yeah. Yeah. and they came to me and said we should do Bobby as a cartoon and I went how the fuck are you going to do this foul Bob, this yeah, foul the- mouth little they said well no we use that voice but right. what if we and, and we just sat down and we said well they said there's got to be a million funny stories and then we thought Bobby generic which is just generic why don't we do this generic four year old mm-hmm. who's you know, I had babies at the time. We had, uh, we were all kids for a few years earlier in our life. And <laughs> Hope so. Said, Let's tell our real stories, and we mm-hmm. could do it through our imagination and like what we it will become the, you know, it would be our fantasies. And yeah. So we pitched it, and they said okay. And then you know, I sat with a, I would sit there and talk like this, and this is Bobby. <laughs> and I'd sit there with an artist who would drew. He goes, you think you look like this? And I no, I don't look like that. I got black hair. <laughs> and then they would do that, and he would draw, he drew amazing. it right. What a fun process. It, it, a real fun process. And who would think that it would run for nine years? It would Jeez. be a precursor to, like, Rugrats. Yes. Yeah. The, the oh, you for, set the table. You were like the new kids on the block Steven of children's cartoons. His right. TV guide said it was his favorite Saturday morning cartoon. It ran for nine seasons in 60 countries. And Well, because, like, every children's show 
is always adults talking at the kids and kind and kind and kind of like, hey, we're gonna do some fun stuff today. We're gonna go over like right. it's talking at the kids. Bobby's world was no. This is the kids' perspective. Yeah, this is, or just a real perspective. Yeah. I think they understand. You don't have to talk down to kids. Kids right. would like to think up to us. Sure. So we did what we thought was funny. We did our takes on pop culture. In fact, I'd love to relaunch it one day. And there's talk of that now. Ooh. And then. My friend who I worked with on Bobby's World and I had worked on another show called Laugh Tracks, which was a sketch comedy show with mm -hmm. uh, a bunch of people who went on to become pretty famous. Um, but Frank Welker was on it. And Frank Welker is the Mel Blank of our time. Frank Welker oh, wow. is, if you he's every character, every cartoon character. Just every voice. Yeah. He's every voice in every movie. They were doing Gremlins. Mm-hmm. And he brought me in to do to just meet because they needed a million voices. Sure. And uh, they showed me a picture of Gizmo. Yeah. And again, I just did the Skeeter voice. I did the Bobby voice because. <laughs> so yeah, I was gonna say like, how many you weren't? Were you at this level where you were in like the world of working voice people because of the success of Bobby's World? Is that? Did at that Bobby's World? I, I was never in the world of successful voice. I've never been hired for anything be beyond. Uh, you know, I did Muppet Babies. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dave Coulier ended up taking my place. I kind of backed that because I was doing uh, a lot of stand-up. Yeah. yeah. And I had a series. And I started doing movies. So I backed out of the last... I think he did the last two seasons. Right. And he... Solid he, replacement. He my voices. Yeah. And then um, I did Bobby's World, which is just me, you know, right. doing Bobby and myself. And and then um, I did Gremlins. I'm Gizmo from Gremlins, yeah. which is the same. But I didn't... I've never done anything And that else. job came because you knew... Frank is that Frank Welker? Yeah, yeah. Who got me into that and Shit. introduced me to Joe? That Dante. stuff really pay, uh, plays a factor in all this. Yeah, like just relate having any sort of relationship. Yeah, it's you know this is you know it's funny because there's no better uh, power in this business than nepotism, and you don't have to be related, <laughs> but no. if you know somebody, yeah, it's just you know it's like it is like our gang. You know, all our friends well, get together and let's put on a show. Yeah, yeah. And, and I love and, that camaraderie. Right, and people want to work with fun people that they're used to working with so if, if if you show up on set one day and you're a great person to work with and you're easy to work with then they're going to want to hire you for the next thing or when they're going to think of you when they when when frank goes to gremlins and says oh we need we need, we well, need more voices me the audition yeah and the audition was in burbank i'll never forget in a building you know the i guess was that's where they were doing casting not a show business building in fact on right. the floor where they were auditioning for the Gremlins voiceover talent, it was the same floor as a gynecologist's office, <laughs> and there were sounds. I don't know which. That's one the office we're going to use when we cast Ghost Country. By the way, okay, it's the gyno office. See? And ladies and gentlemen, this is the circle of life. <laughs> We go so, from cartoons to cunt. Yeah. I think we're going through from cartoons to cunt. That'd be your we're next book. Yeah. Can we move in? We're going to talk about D's. Dick. <laughs> we'll talk about D's. Let's go on the alphabet, man. Yeah, yeah. sure. Why not? Uh, all right. So then, uh, same thing with Gizmo. Do you is it a uh, where you get to kind of talk out maybe how you see or do they give you a no the that puppet? was that movie was done and completed. Gotcha. I watched the oh, movie wow. and we had to, uh, for lack of a better term, lip sync yeah. to what was going okay. on. And so we would sit in a in a. Uh, you know, a soundstage and watch the movie in a from a booth mm -hmm. and with a microphone and, you know, what do you think he's saying here? I mean, they knew what he was saying, but how do you think that would sound? Right. You know? Did you ever feel like fucking with the voice and maybe not doing a sound, but maybe doing like a, hey, it's me, Gizmo, a.k.a. Tony Danza, or doing like a, and just putting some actual character to it? There was. There is like- <laughs> Some uh, real dialogue. I'm sure, I'm sure there's tapes. That, 
<laughs> we added things because uh, in the big crowd scenes, I, I did Gizmo. And what was funny about Gizmo is it wasn't really, you know, besides saying things like, light bright, light bright, light bright, which was, uh, you know, uh, yeah. right. take off on light bright. Yep. You yeah. Because, uh, you know, uh, when it played, it became a huge international success and all over the world. They Incredible. wanted people to be able to relate to it. So they would bring me back in, you know, a month later uh, because we're doing it for Germany. And you know those Gizmo in German, right? So or Japanese. <laughs> yeah. So he had to sound like we would redo the movie, like my part in the movie, so that he would sound like so little German. <laughs> you know, like something sounds <laughs> angry like, Gizmo. You could only see how his face as he's doing German Gizmo <laughs> you know, or Japanese. <laughs> you know, you had to make him a little. What about Jewish Gizmo? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, oh I love God. that when you were doing German gizmo, Adam as a Jew still got still got a, li- a yeah, little fearful. I'm sweating a just little. a little. Just like a, it's cute and it's cuddly, but yeah. it's still that it, it's it's Scary. still that dialect. I, yes, yeah. I had a gizmo doll. That's how you know how. I mean, did that, you have a gizmo or a Furby? <laughs> Ooh, see, I'm. You know what I'm, Furby is? Yeah, yeah, I'm positive it was gizmo. Yeah, yeah. Furby. There was. I think there was a big lawsuit. They asked me to do the voice of Furby. Really? They didn't. Well, because it's the same. It's the same thing. It, yeah, it's the same thing. They 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 watched that and they, they said, oh, instead of brown and white, let's make them purple and ha- and have the eyes roll in the back of the head, and then we're good. And then we're good. Yeah, Was there ever the a same, time the after thing. doing all these like doing Gizmo and then Bobby? I mean, you're. Uh, I mean, it wasn't. They wouldn't like at the end of the show put your face up at the end. So like, were you kind of? But I mean, you were out there with your stand-up, obviously, right? So like, you know, you were, was really I, my career has been so fractured in the sense that. Um, when I first started, one of the first things that got me national rec- recognition was Make Me Laugh. That's where I, mm-hmm. that's the first TV I got. And then I got known as a stand-up comic, and right. I became an opening act for, like, Diana Ross and Earth, Wind & Fire and Holy Jose shit. Yeah. And Billy like Ocean that. ever? Uh, that's that's way that's kind of later. That's oh, yeah. way later. Uh, I didn't yeah, never right. open for Billy Ocean. Right. But, uh, well, uh, not with that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> And then I got a, a young comedian special. Yes, on and HBO. That, yeah. cha- that was a game changer. And and on my young comedian special, it was me, Jerry Seinfeld, oh, Richard Lewis, Jeez. Harry Anderson. Oh my God! And uh, Maureen Murphy. That was my young comedian special. What, what Mary Fuck lineup. Hill, huh? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. um, that's a great lineup. Yeah, yeah. And that that kind of so then people knew me as the insane manic comic. And then, you know, uh, and, and I was touring and I was doing theaters. And then when I got Saint Elsewhere. Right, which is a, which is a drama. Which is a drama. Yeah. You know, Medical I, drama. <laughs> yes. Regardless, it's still a drama. Right. Medical, cop, whatever. I played yeah. Fiscus on Saint Elsewhere for six years. That audience was a very, you know, the people that would watch Saint Elsewhere, they would stay up at 10 o'clock on a weeknight to watch a very serious, well-constructed, fabulously scripted drama with Denzel Washington and mm-hmm. uh, you know yeah. Norman Lloyd and great yeah. classic actors and me we're not the people that were watching young comedian specials no. and goofiness so I would get letters all that's one before email I would get letters saying I have a bet with my husband that you that Fiscus is not the same guy that puts the rubber glove on his head <laughs> and You're depending like, on Sorry. If, they would, if if they would split the money with me I would say whatever they wanted <laughs> So I did that, and then when I started Bobby's World, you know, young moms yeah. and dads who were watching cartoons with their kids, 
you know, I was in the live action opening and closings of it. Yeah, but right. those weren't the people that were watching dramas at night. They weren't the people that were watching stand-up comedy. So when I would do a stand-up comedy show, I'd get a, a, a bunch of moms sitting there with like three-year-olds. Oh, and, God. You know, because they said Howie Mandel. They knew Howie Mandel. Yeah. So my audience was really fractured. So there's people who are Bobby's World fans. There's people mm -hmm. who were St. Elsewhere fans and movie fans. I did a couple of movies in the early 80s. And then there were people who were stand-up fans. Yeah. They were very separate. And it took years and years and years. Not until I did Deal or No Deal. Mm -hmm. That was the biggest widest swath of like everybody who kind of brings everyone that together brought everybody together where yeah. i had one fan base where they go oh you know you're howie mandel i know right and, so, and, so so now you think when people come to see your shows they know w what they're coming to see they're not coming to see absolutely not uh, yeah really because still as as uh, somebody who is probably more widely known you know you hit more of a, an audience with agt as a mm -hmm. judge and they remember deal or no deal, they think of me as this kind of clean cut host. Right. And, uh, but as a stand up comic, and that's something that I'll never stop doing, yeah. I'm not, I still, it's very improvisational. It's very in the moment, mm -hmm. it's not family friendly. I love stand up and will never give up stand up because that is my one primal scream. Everything else I do, you know, there is a mark to hit, a line to recite, a commercial to throw to, producer a producer in your ear, a producer telling yeah. you what to do. Yeah, and there are sponsors who don't want you to cross the line. And I feel like in stand up comedy, it's about crossing the line. Yeah, it's about right. being free. It's about being. So, you know, if you think, and, and not that I'm going to offend anybody not that I set out to personally but I just want I love this free kind of spirit you want you want you want the freedom where you're not going to be in your head when you're telling a joke thinking, ooh, that would be really funny, but then that sponsor might pull out of... Though, you know, and I say that to you now, mm -hmm. the truth is I think our climate is changing and it's really depressing the world of stand-up comedy now because... Because of the instant, because of the social media. Social media. The, the, the quick response for people to... Yeah, and right. quick response. And, and the and, amount of, uh, you know, uh, uninformed uh, blogs or sites that were that are not credited... That in a, we're in an age too where people don't fact check. So if it's posted on Facebook and a link that says like, "This comedian did this," people immediately just go, "Well, it was posted on Facebook, so he must be a piece of shit." For well, the, the 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 term social media bothers me because the mm -hmm. media used to be something that you had reverence for. You yeah, know, the right. media, at least for us who go into media, media is television, yep. television reporting. Yeah, it is journalism, which is newspapers and that. But now, social media. What is social media? It's some guy in his underpants in his room <laughs> writing what he thought he saw. Right. And that could that little spark, that little tinder can no pun intended with the tinder, yeah, but right. that could that starts a fire. And we, yeah. we have no and I, I hearken back to what we talked about earlier. You know, I watched Richard Pryor try anything and everything to yeah. get that right. And the art of comedy is the art of free uh, free speech and poking fun. And if you can't poke fun, if you can't throw a miscolor on your canvas and go, mm -hmm. oh, no, 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 I got to tone this back a little bit. Oh, I got to curb that. If you can't do that without somebody recording you right. and then taking what you say out of context and judging you and the possibility of you losing sponsorships and jobs and Right. Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. It, it's, it's a scarier place. It's it, it's this thing where now, I mean, uh, I saw a great interview with the late great uh, Patrice O'Neill, and he and he said comedy is about having the freedom to fail 
to fail. Right. We have we have to be able to go up and talk about topics that uh, are not traditionally funny, the darkest things ever. But we can kind of make that funny. But we need to be able to fail and a few times to find to finally get it right. Now now you're up on stage and you and you look out and you see people who are smiling, but all but also their phones are up and you're like, great. I I can't. And like, then they'll show yeah. that little video to somebody, and they'll critique it based on like what was happening. A off of that small little video, uh, and then B, you know, they won't give it a f- their full attention. That's my problem with it too. And it's also like the people that'll sit back and judge are people that would never. They don't even give any sort of um, uh, validity to the idea that somebody is get got to a point in their life and career where they will uh, be so fearless as to. To, to try to bomb, you know, or to, to say something. It's like, they're but not even taking... Like, I don't think most people have a sense of humor. You know, I, I did a book, <laughs> no, but they don't. I don't think... That is a sense. It's like, do most people have fashion sense? Do most people right. have, you know, or do they have the, uh, a good sense of... You know, it, the word sense is mm-hmm. what is key here. And for to be a comedian, to have a sense of humor isn't about, you know telling a joke the reason that i can tell you that most people don't have a sense of humor is the reason for the laugh track you know that is the industry's way of telling the audience that that was a joke laugh here laugh here yeah yes so so the point is and if you hear the rhythm of a joke we Mm kind of know the rhythm so we know to laugh at that but the people that construct jokes and have a sense of humor Mm -hmm. you and you Mm -hmm. that always comes out of darkness it's always got to come out of something that's not funny and I've, i've said this a million times you know comedy is not really it doesn't come from anything fun i mean even if you take a little kid to the circus and you see the clown fall down right you're laughing at somebody else's misfortune Sure. They found a way to make, and when two guys walk into a bar, something shitty has to happen to somebody. <laughs> yeah. For you to laugh. Yeah. Comedy can't be. Hey, uh, me and Adam went out to a bar. We had two drinks. We had a great conversation, and then we and then we got home safely. Yeah. yeah. If I was. Funny, if, okay. go ahead, go ahead. I was just with, uh, home in Seattle uh, with my two six-year-old twin nieces and my uh, two-year-old nephew, and I uh, will do a lot of puppet stuff with them because they're still at the age where they right. are all about it. And there's this chicken puppet that I have, and I was playing with my nephew and talking to him, and then with a crayon, he proceeded to beat the chicken mercilessly and my nieces started laughing and he started laughing and right. I'm like yeah this is funny to you guys but it's also animal cruelty it's also <laughs> fucking you're beating him with a crayon which is a new way to uh, you know you're just you're taking this you know artistic tool and turning it into a weapon but it's like that was they they don't they see there was as, a victim there yeah. but the truth of the matter is that is funny mm-hmm. and why is it funny because it's taboo well because the voice I was doing of the chicken was spot on it's also <laughs> it's also the trailer voice for ghost hunters okay. so, yeah. <laughs> but yeah but, but but the point is that that's funny yes. but you cannot have cruelty to animals you know people are so sensitive on TV or if you mm-hmm. say you did it's a joke. We're not killing a chicken. That's right. not a real chicken. Yeah. That's not a crap. But that wouldn't fly with sponsors and everything. Kids with a pure sense of humor know that it's funny. Why is it funny? Why are they? Because you're not supposed to do it. Taboo, mean, uh, hurtful, awkward. That's a great point. Embarrassing. They know that you're not supposed to do it. All the elements that makes great comedy. And even if you look at old time comedy, seltzer bottle in the face. Yeah. Pie to know, the face. Pie in yeah. The face, you're you're ruining somebody's clothes. You're ruining their time. You're ruining mm-hmm. their party. If you take away all the three humor, stooges, three stooges Dude, blowing up the glove other, on your face. Blow, yeah. Right. But they're hitting each other. They're yeah. hurting each other. That <laughs> is comedy. Yeah. Now, the idea that a large group doesn't find it funny. You know, I always, I always, I've talked about this too. When you go to amateur night mm-hmm. and you watch somebody bomb horribly, and you go, "Oh my God, why is that 
you know, who told him right. that he could get on the stage. The truth is somebody did tell him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody left. And I think that the people like you and me and, and, and all of us were really lucky that our sensibility, and that's all it is, that our sensibility is shared by more than just Uncle Morty. Yeah. Or yeah. our friend. Yeah. yeah. The fact that you're not doing anything on stage that you don't think is funny and you haven't found funny. But there are people that won't find it funny. You know, Absolutely. I'm always cognizant of the fact. I remember one of the greatest days of my, and this is how I think, one of the greatest days of my career was I sold out two shows at Radio City Music Hall. Holy Good shit. Lord. One night. Yeah. You know, and it's uh, probably 7,000 yeah, uh, seats. At least. So it was 14,000 people in New York City. And I remember looking out the window in the corner of Sixth Avenue and 14,000 people were, you know, 6,000 coming out, 7,000 coming in. That's an epic venue. I just saw Chappelle there last year and it seems like the best for stand-up. It's amazing. Yeah. It Mm -hmm. was amazing. And my wife was, I was with my wife and my wife was saying, isn't this amazing? And my mind went to this, but this kind of speaks to it. 14,000 people bought tickets to see me in a city of 10 million (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, so so nine million nine hundred eighty-five thousand people decided there's something better to do than to see how Jesus it Christ, and man. that kind of speaks to the fact that you know the guy who gets on stage on amateur night and says all this crap right. that nobody's laughing at in the silence. He has an audience of one. The fact that right. I got up there and my nervous energy and I blew a glove up on my head, and mm-hmm. which many people would argue is not funny and is not even comedy, is nothing, was shared by enough of a mess that I could pay my rent. So we're just really lucky that some people share the same sensibility. It's yeah. like how many people like a song? How mm-hmm. many people like a painting? How many people like you putting these words in that order? Just, just Yeah, just like any form of art. There's... Uh, it, it's fascinating to me that if you go to Rotten Tomatoes and you go to the movie Goodfellas, which I which, which I think is one of the greatest movies one of all time, is there's it, it, it has a score of ninety nine percent, and you look and there's one critic that just says, "Nah, this is horrible." Fucking Goodfellas, the right. most, one of the most perfect movies of all time. Someone is able to look at the same piece of art right. and, and just say, "No." Nah. And as a comic, you're right that that's going to happen. Where you're trying to just appeal to uh, have uh, people find it funny as many as you can, but there's relatability. A, you know, yeah. we're all human, and we all suffer from the exact same. You know, maybe for different reasons, anxieties and mm-hmm. pressures and things like that. And if we could just tickle that, just poke that. Sure. And that's what we look for, just relatability. And, and the way to find that is within yourself. You know, if you are true to yourself comedically, you know, like what makes you laugh, what you found really awkward, hopefully there's somebody else out there, another human being that mm-hmm. kind of relates and that makes you laugh. When you, the, the humor yep. comes from the darkest place. How many yeah. times have you laughed at a funeral? Or, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, because you're just, and it's almost like the mind is craving it in that moment. And one of my favorite things to do on stage is to make it very tense in the room because then because then the release is so much bigger when, when you have a moment where you stop talking for a second and then you listen and the entire comedy club or in your case theater is silent you're like ooh. I've got them. And they're listening, yeah. Yeah. They are. Like, I'm, well, silence is golden. It really is. No, but it is. <laughs> it is. I love it. Did I it take you a it. while to get to a point? I'm curious, too, like, at what point did Howie Mandel hone in on on your sensibility and, 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 and uh, become aware that, oh, wow, there is, like, a mass of people that are uh, have similar sensibilities as me? I'm still coming to, to grips with yeah. that. You know, the truth is, is that you're always trying to 
Because you say like on these shows like Deal or No Deal, or even AGT, like that you know you're not maybe as free as you would be on stand up. That's safe to say. But you're still, I still feel like I'm still seeing and even talking to you now. I still feel like that's you are who you are on TV. Like I don't you feel are, like you're. But you know what I found is to not get so inside it. Yeah. Even in comedy and mm -hmm. and just do it and then hope. You know it's beyond you. And I'll I'll give you the example of Deal or No Deal. When Deal or No Deal was offered to me. I said no fucking way. I, they, Did I you got say a no call. deal? I got a call. What? No deal. <laughs> I got a call and they said that we want you to do a game show. And yeah. I said no. And you've got to put this in perspective. In 2005, um, you know, as a stand-up comedy, as a stand-up comic, the irony of being a, you know, that's a kind of a punchline. Yeah, to right. To be a game show host. It, it, it's almost like kind of like being a cruise ship comic where it's like, where it's like, oh, you're a comic, but you do cruises and you must not be doing well. Or like, right. so, oh, so you're I a comic and do, do a game show? I didn't want to do it. Yeah. They said, well, just can we, and they phoned me back and they said, can we pitch you the idea? NBC is going to give this a push like they've never given. Nobody has given five nights of primetime television right. in, on, on a network to this. This is the biggest format in the world you know america was like the last one on board this was all over yeah. europe over oh, oh really it was a huge hit yeah. oh shit all over the world so that made you listen a little bit a little bit and i said no i just don't want to do a game show yeah. because i want to be mm -hmm. a comic i don't want to be this punchline i want to be you know i'll act I, yeah. I wasn't really acting at the time and they said will you just listen to the pitch yeah and i said okay i'll i'll hear the i'll hear the pitch and then so I was at Jerry's in the in the valley. Nice. I don't leave the valley. That's why you guys are <laughs> you love it out here. I love it. I'm a valley. Hey man, any place that has pictures of you and Oprah, I will stay as long as you let us. There's <laughs> a lot of pictures. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, it's incredible. This is I got a warehouse. Of it's a great shot. There's Bobby dolls. There's I mean it's pretty. Look amazing. at that. Yeah. I want to show you. I'm pointing out things on a podcast. The uh, Howie Mandel show. Cart. No, don't take these oh, cards. Yeah. So when I first got my talk show. Uh -huh. it, it, there was a pile of cards. I, I asked to do my talk show on the set in NBC where Johnny Carson did his show. No mm -hmm. shit. Which is, became it later became Access Hollywood. So yeah. I was on, yeah. I put my desk where Johnny Carson put it, oh and underneath the bleachers, which yeah. are still there, were these cards. And that is from his last, that's Johnny Carson's last show. That was the last Because it says Robin Williams, Bette Midler. Bette Midler. Yeah, and do not take these cards. And Bob was his cue card guy. That's the last cue card from... Oh the my God. Holy crap! Because uh, um, uh, Bette Midler sang one for my baby, yeah. one for my baby, one for the road. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's an so incredible. That's and that picture beside it that you see the Howie Mandel show that was that's that set. That's amazing. And right next to it, you have a a, a, po a pre poster for Ghost Hunters. This is maybe <laughs> wow. they walk. Well, I'm always. <laughs> Always, yeah, looking always, working, always looking ahead. Always looking ahead. that could legitimately be in like some sort of like Smithsonian. Yeah. That's an incredible piece of Hollywood history. You know, Absolutely. and that was my first show on the set, and they weren't big then. And if you look, well, they Jennifer Aniston was my right. first guest on <laughs> that bad. show, and she had just been she was dating Brad Pitt, and they told me not I can't mention Brad Pitt. That was the first show I can't. Well, the mention. first rule of of knowing who Brad Pitt is is <laughs> don't say his name. Right. We so can't I even say it three times on this like, podcast. What did you think of the river runs through it? Did you see that? <laughs> they got really mad at me. And that's Usher, who was not a big star then. No. This kid is going to be great. I right. See, I knew it. And, and then, then there's our Jay Leno. Jay Leno was across the hall, mm -hmm. and he, uh, he, he came to wish me luck on my first show. So that's, uh, th this all is this thematic. Yeah. You know? Amazing. Did you anyway. love, we'll, we'll get back to the deal or no deal story, but I went real quick, the, uh, did you love doing the talk show? 
I love doing it. Yeah. I did. Mm -hmm. I, you know what? It turned out not to be a great experience. I'll tell you why. Because they asked me to do a talk show. I was filling in for uh, Regis at the time. And they asked me to do a daytime talk show. And then in daytime... Uh, I was so excited to do it, and I wanted to fuck around and be... Again, this goes back to being yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they made me dress in suits. They made me... Uh, I don't wear earrings now, but I was wearing earrings. But right. it's, it's indicative of, uh, you know, them shaping you. And th th it's always about this business. It's always... You're perfect. Now, you're not no, going to no, do this. Right. You can't say this. You know, we're going to give you Jennifer Aniston, but can't ask the question that, you're even, that anybody or yourself is interested in. But be in. you. Be the, be the Howie that we love, but don't, uh, don't say Brad Pitt ever. And don't... Uh, <laughs> right. So yeah. In that and way, this. It, was, I, it was not, not mm -hmm. fun because I felt... That's why I still love doing stand-up because there isn't a... You're not a, answering to anybody. I'm not answering to anybody. You and that's talk about Brad Pitt as much as you want. that's why I wanted to get <laughs> off of Universal yeah. lot and buy a, you know, a shitty warehouse in the Valley where I could just come and do whatever it is that I no do. No one's that checking up on you. Nobody. And if we I have an idea... There's no studio tour going by. Yeah. We go. We, you know, we have our own equipment. We shoot things. I have edit bays. No one's saying, do. hey, Dr. Oz needs this space. No. Like, no. Like, like, like you're so fine. I can do whatever I want. I love this that. This is where I... So, so deal or no deal, yeah. this is what I learned. So I, so I, you go to the pitch. They, they go, hey, at least come, right? I'll to show you that here, too. The guy shows up at the Jerry's. He says it's mm -hmm. the biggest thing in the world. I'll show you that on the wall. He brings, it looks like a special needs kid did a, an art project. <laughs> like, this is supposed to be the biggest format in the world. I'll show you it. It's, yeah. it's here. It's on, on the wall in the other room. Okay. He made an art card into, that he thought was, that looked like uh, suitcases, and he showed me the show. Yeah. After showing me the show, there's, I mean, this is pre me seeing it. Mm -hmm. There's nothing. You're right. That, that's not it. There's no talent. There's no skill. There's no nothing. It's it, it's How luck. An hour, it's averages. I go, open that's the it. case. Just that's my line. Open the case. Yeah. What number do you want? Oh, seven. All right. Open. Open number seven. Now. Okay. <laughs> what number do you want now? Four. Okay, open number four. And an hour of that. Yeah. An hour of that. You're like, right. how am this I supposed to make that entertaining? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I go home and I tell my wife. She goes, listen, why don't you want to do it? I said, it'll ruin my career. She goes, you were at Jerry's and now you're home. That is your career. <laughs> Take the fucking deal. So I go, God, right, bl I'll, God bless your wife. Yeah. <laughs> She's the smartest one in our family. So I, got, I took the show. And I tell you, I wanted to quit. You know, I went there. Oh, and I said, this is another thing. This is so show business. So I said to the guy, because the guy's telling me, you know, we, the reason we called you three times, we can't do the show without you. You are so mm -hmm. perfect. You're the one for the show. Yeah. We're not, we won't do the show if you don't do the show. It's Jesus. amazing. We got to have you do the show. This is on a Friday. So when I call him, I said, we'll do it. I go, when, when do you need me? He goes, well, we're shooting Monday. I go, you're shooting Monday. Well, don't you have to build a set? Don't you have to build a set? He goes, well, I yeah. have a set. We have the set built. Okay. I said, well, don't you need models? Oh, they're already hired. You're like, but Monday's Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the point is, how far down the list as my fucking name, if this thing's built and waiting? Right. Obviously, Just, like eight other people have quit. <laughs> yeah. So that starts to seep into your brain? A little bit. So then I say to myself, I call my comic friends, and I say to myself, this is how I'm going to handle it. The only reference I have to great comics that have done games in mm -hmm. the close... Uh, my is um, uh, what's his name uh, Groucho Marx yeah did uh, the word name that uh, remember pa he did password no, no. Groucho Marx did a show where uh, the chicken came down I know what you're talking about I don't know I've just it. seen yeah. tape of it I've never seen yeah. it before my time but yeah. Groucho Marx was a guy he was like a movie star he yeah. was a comic and yes. he had done a game and I know that Johnny Carson had done it this is like two generations prior to me sure. so I'm gonna hire a comic 
to write with me and I'm going to sit and they said I can have a comic. So I had a comic awesome. who sat down with me and we were writing because I said, how am I going to fill the fucking hour about opening <laughs> cases? And right. This? Was it a buddy of yours who was like um, just knew your voice or somebody who yeah, maybe had written for I had shows? With, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and we're going to do this show and. Anyway, Monday comes, and that's another picture. The, the, all these pictures are not just, it's not narcissism. They're, they're reasons, but I'll, I'll show you after. But also, you got to have stuff like this up to A for podcasts. Uh, but B, for podcasts, yeah. there's no. Uh, <laughs> well, to, to reference. Camera. But also, yeah. like, how would, I mean, I feel like having this, uh, the career you've had and the body of work, and the, as you said, even at the beginning of this uh, uh, podcast where you said it was like an accident, to see all this stuff and see the different. Um, like the different worlds that you yeah, got into working, of your career. Why would you not want to be reminded of that? So, so here's the thing. So I, so I get to the set. I have this whole thing planned. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we open the show. Like the first show, I'm going to shoot six, all right? So we open In the one day? Uh, we're shooting one in the first okay. day. Yeah. But okay. I, I walk out and they go, you know, and there's this big dramatic opening where I start in the vault and I walk out and then, and then they go. And they only have to answer that one question, deal or no deal. <laughs> And I say that, and the audience roars, and you know, because they were told to. And then I bring up the first contestant, and I'll never forget. I could tell you right, Karen Van was the wow. very first contestant. And I'm standing there, and this woman, beautiful young lady, is standing there in front of me. And you know, I've said, and you have to also realize, besides Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, at that time, there's no other shows for a million dollar, a million right. dollar prize. Somehow today doesn't seem like a lot on TV because there's a lot of them. Yeah, but then but it was that was it was big, huge, yeah, huge. I think million dollars is still huge in people's minds, but a million dollar game show is right. something that we see a lot of. Yeah, but we didn't then. And I said to her, "You have a chance to win a million dollars." And I'm standing five feet from this person, and I realize, oh my god, this is a real person. And I interview her for a minute, and she <laughs> introduces me to her three kids, right, and her husband. And she's never ha- owned a home. They're Ooh. paying rent. They have no health insurance. Shit gets and real very quick. That's exactly right. Shit yeah. gets real. And I figure, you know what? It doesn't matter. It's not about me being funny now. Yeah, I can get the best joke in the world, and I can sure. get the biggest laugh in the world. But this is a real person, and with three she's real not going to find it funny. And so if she my doesn't, cadence yeah. changed. I said, I'm not yeah. going. I just got. And I realized that when you watch people, people who don't know, people who aren't in television or in show business. There is something that happens to people when they, who, who regular people, when they're on a set, there's 20 cameras, there's 500 people. You could see a glaze yeah. go over her eyes. Like, oh my God, I'm in another fucker. You know, she you, wasn't from Hollywood. You can forget to breathe. Right. <laughs> and people will tell you that when they're on the stage. I'm sure if you go to a concert and, you're, and your uh, biggest uh, crush pulls you up on stage, you're going, oh, how? This That's is why like people faint. Yeah. yeah. Like a, and I could see that there was a glaze in her eye just about being there and being given this opportunity. So my whole cadence changed. And and it was about, you know, I would say like there's an offer would come in and I would be really close to her and go, Karen, the offer is $200,000. SNL started making fun of me and my cadence and how I. <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Which was great. Yeah. But the reason I'm telling you, the reason was I could see she was. And I wanted you to hear. And really what I was saying is take the fucking money. <laughs> You know, and they would, would they ever try to with the producers in your ear? Maybe yes, like, hey, how we don't that, stop, stop. Because I would say things like, "The you can now take two hundred thousand dollars, or you can still take a chance at a million dollars." Yeah, and you yeah. say that quick, yeah, throw like, it away. Yeah, the ch- or if we go for the, yeah. or go for a guaranteed change your life. Right, get a house stop down payment. Two hundred thousand mean to you? You've never had that. Yeah. Right, or 
you can take a chance <laughs> at one million. A shot. A chance. chance. Not guaranteed. Yeah. Chance. Not guaranteed. Chance. chance. Yeah. You would be really mad at me for doing that. But what happened is, and I dropped up by the wayside all my ideas mm-hmm. for witticisms and being funny and making it about Howie Mandel. Well, because you started I, caring about these people. But what happened was, like comedy, yeah. my empathy, yeah. my empathy kind of, that I think part of the you know the relatability of that show was you played along, you were screaming at the TV. Yes. And I had more fame and more. I mean, people were offering me stand-up gigs and everything mm-hmm. that I was doing a lot more, a lot more than there's somebody. You hear that noise? <laughs> yes. So, yes. So, someone's making coffee. No, don't apologize. <laughs> so we somebody start over. with Jesus. a Keurig machine <laughs> making cappuccino. What are you making, Mike? Just a coffee. Nice. The sound you hear in the background is Mike Marks. He runs our uh, very astute executive producer. Wonderful. The, he, oh, hey, he, he, he is, he's uh, making coffee. That sound is not him peeing in the corner. That's what it sounds like. I just want to but anyway, um, wh- what I was saying was the uh, empathy that mm-hmm. I ended up the human. <laughs> it's okay. We'll wait until so he's finished. We'll wait till he's finished. <laughs> You think it's done? These mics are good. I don't think they'll pick it up. Oh, you yeah. don't think yeah. they'll pick it up? No. Yeah. There's a lot of noise behind me. I asked the guy when I buy these mics at Guitar Center, I go, will we hear coffee made at Howie Mandel's porn studio? And he mm-hmm. goes, Howie does porn? <laughs> yeah, Coast Country. Yeah. <laughs> Softball okay. lob. If he just takes Hold on. I also have to tune my tambourine. One second. <laughs> One second, I have to do that. The whole quartet comes in. Yeah, Can my acapella group warm up here? <laughs> the four tunesmen? I know there's going to be like a crushing splash and bang in a second. What? I have a, I, and if you spill, don't worry. I'm going to bring in the wet dry vac. It's going to make no noise whatsoever. <laughs> You're fine. Call, call somebody else to help you. You need help? Uh, yeah. Get me! <laughs> Jimmy! <laughs> He's having trouble with the coffee. He's, this guy behind us is trying to be so quiet. Yeah. I've never heard more, more noises come out of this. No. See you, Mike. Bye. <laughs> Parties at Don Francisco's house okay. were less noise. But what I was saying was the... Um, I didn't know that, so I did the show. The amount of empathy you were saying, I too. I threw out all my jokes because yeah. it's so important that this human, this real human being... Sure better her life, right. have an opportunity. My fear became that if I do a joke and I get a big laugh and mm-hmm. at the, you know, she may focus on the laugh and not really focus on the, the fact that she get about to get $200,000. I don't want anybody, God yeah. forbid, the worst thing that could happen to me is somebody saying, you were, you, the joke, I didn't even think I had four more cases to open. Oh. You were doing so fun. And that killed me that I could even Did to that happen day, once and that's what? No, okay. but to this day, you know, the NBC, who I love and has supported me, has asked me to do that, um, what's that, that show they do with all the games? Celebrity oh. game night. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Hollywood game night. With Hollywood Jay Lynch. game night. Yeah. Lynch. And I won't do it. And they go, why won't you do it? And I said, because to go on television, I want to entertain. And mm-hmm. because you have a real person there that's on the team with the celebrities, if I did something and distracted, and even if they made $50 less, right. I would cry. 
because it would be for me. I don't want to be, I'll go out and entertain somebody and I'll act like a goofball and I'll do anything you want, but I don't want to be responsible for somebody else. Nothing at risk. What? Yeah, you, 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 you want to put, That's, yeah, because so you're what, a great dude. So what happened on Deal or No Deal mm -hmm. is we did the show, it was about to air, and I, my wife, I said, I, we got to leave the country. I went out. Of, I went to South America when it was going to air. Oh, I didn't want to be any place. I said, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. They go, why? Because I was so inside it. I said, I don't think it's. I spent the whole time making sure people won money. I didn't do any jokes. Mm -hmm. I was not. I didn't do anything. You're known for so, comedy now. You're not going to be. Is that what you're thinking? No, but or? I didn't know that it was. I didn't trust the format in itself. And most trust of my, your instincts that my, you well, I just did what Howie Mandel would do, mm -hmm. but not what a comedian would do, not what a um, an actor would do. And that was a new thing for you to. Well, I just bared my soul. Yeah, that was yeah. just me. Yeah. But I was relating, you know. So, so I, I get, I start getting tweets, or tweets. I start getting emails, and the first night it aired, they go, "This we just broke a record at NBC." The next night it aired Tuesday, we broke another record from the night before. The next night, and every it went up. Yeah. And I flew back. I landed in Miami. I'll never forget it. I walk off the plane within, you can count to 10. Somebody goes, hey, deal or no deal. And from that day forward, my life in That's this business has changed. It yeah. caught on. But it was something that in the moment, I was so serious and so worried that somebody, you know, would... Uh, be off not offended, but be distracted, and I, it was just about making sure they won money. I didn't want to be a game show host. Right. I didn't, but it taught me a lesson, you know, just to be real, mm -hmm. and just to be, you know, do what you do, and you can't control how other people respond. And in the same way, in comedy, you can't control. Be real. Do what you think is the funniest fucking thing in the world. What is making you laugh? Right. If you're going into the toilet. Tell them you're in the <laughs> toilet. Just yeah. do that. You can't control the rest of the world. And what I learned from Deal or No Deal is from that time on, I've been so free just to be myself. It was such an eye-opening experience. You know, and those experiences are mirrored in other things. You know, uh, when I did Howard Stern once and accidentally admitted that I had mental health issues. Yeah, with, you your, know, uh, with your OCD, OCD, yeah. With my OCD. That was an accident that you... Oh, yeah, he was fucking with me. He wanted me to open the door when somebody was in there playing with their cock and they had touched the door and he knew <laughs> mm -hmm. that I didn't want to touch germs. And finally I got an anxiety attack and I said, listen, I, this is real. And, and that was years and years ago before people were very open about mental health issues. Sure. And I said, I'm fucked up. I go to a psychiatrist. I, you got to open the door. You gotta, I'm having a panic attack. I'm going to have a heart attack. And I thought, I was devastated. I thought, you know, my career is over. Right, you're like, my great, family is, this is the thing. But it kind of opened up to, you know, uh, I've told that story before, but I walked out in the street. I was going to run into traffic, and somebody walked up to me and, and said, I just heard you on Stern. And I went, holy fuck, that's it. This is the beginning of the end. And, mm -hmm. and they went, me too. And I thought, oh, my wow. God, I'm not alone. And, yeah. But all this speaks to comedy, and it speaks to whatever we do. If you, We're all humans. Mm -hmm. We all have a cross to bear. And if you if you just are true to yourself with if you think it's funny and even if it's tasteless, if you think it's you know, if you want to go on stage, you got to try, right? Yeah, you got to try. But back to how this started, mm -hmm. our society as is, is not allowing us. And it's a shame because, you know, young people are out there fighting a war for freedom and democracy. And our biggest freedom is freedom of speech. And when we have to be concerned about what we're saying or poking a chicken with a crayon, <laughs> then that's not really freedom. No, it's not.
And uh, shit, do yeah. You, do you? Uh, how often do you? Um, you uh, your son does a vlog, right? Yeah. Is it? Uh, do you? I mean, share these sentiments with him as he's, um, you know. Well, my biggest ri- fear, and and I do. I do. You know, I want him to be free. I want him to be artistic. I want I think everybody's creative. I think everybody's an artist. I think it doesn't matter. You don't have to be a comedian. You don't have to have a podcast. You don't have to have a vlog. Mm -hmm. You're an artist in what you do. You know, you got to find a new way, maybe find a way that feels better for you like it's never been done before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I and and we all our world lives in fear of what other people will think. So this is a dichotomy because I don't I want you to be fearless, you know, and I want and I tell my kids to be fearless. Go for it. Do it. Mm -hmm. Just find something you're really passionate about, you know, and I don't care if that's a fucking waiter, you know, just do it and be the best fucking waiter you can be and look forward to get up in the morning and just go and do it. But by the same token, this is a very scary world in the sense that you are an open book to everybody, whether you're vlogging or not. You're, yeah. You know, you walk into a urinal, the next guy's next to you has got an iPhone. So you're not, he could capture whatever he wants to capture. Sure. Nothing, we're, it's not, there's no private time anymore. And how is that information processed? So I, I want to warn them or educate them, but not scare them. But I want him to... Yeah, and it's it, it, it's fascinating. You say you don't even have to be a comedian. I mean, there's that story of a of a uh, businesswoman who is uh, flying to Africa. She's not she's not a comedian. She's not an actress. She's not in the public eye. She goes on her Twitter and she goes, "Hey, flying to Africa. Hope I don't get AIDS, but but I'm not be, because I'm white." Send. By the time she lands in Africa. This has been retweeted. Somebody comes up to her and goes, "Deal or no deal?" <laughs> but this has been retweeted hundreds of thousands of times. Yeah. there's a hashtag like when Andrea lands. Holy shit! Like, and when she 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 lands to find out that she's fired, that her uh, fiance has left her, and just like all this because she hit send. And she's not an entertainer. It just caught on. It was like how, how insensitive that the that this person has has said this thing. So it it, it to so to uh, so to elaborate on your point, it is scary, and not and not just for people that put themselves out there every day, but then for people that don't like you. Anything that you do now could be completely blown out of proportion. Well, right. I'm, I'm curious. Everybody is so that everybody becomes part of the media. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious too, like just how cautious now with the success, you know, deal, no deal, and then now AGT, which I don't know if you can even compare the two as far as what they've done, um, you know, um, show wise and for your career. But I'm assuming, I mean, that's it seems like it's just as powerful and popular. It is. What's amazing to me, and nobody's more thankful, blessed, and surprised than I am, that you know, today. I can walk outside and somebody knows my name or has seen something I do because you know when I came in this business in the in the mid seventies, um, you know, or I got to do the Johnny Carson show, my my life changed the next day. But there was three networks, and if you did TV, we knew everybody on TV. You know, mm-hmm. you knew. Do you know who Donnie Most is? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So my point is that's a third tiered actor on a sitcom. That's a third tiered. It's not the star of the sitcom. It's right. a guy on a sitcom. I will ask you now, who named three actors on CSI, which is a number one sitcom? Can you? Uh, Ted Danson? Is he still no, on there? Well, but you don't know him from the but, but stars. Oh, who, oh. oh um, um, okay, here's the point. The point is you've got to go um, <laughs> yeah. um, okay? Right, yeah. 
That's a number one show, and people don't know. Ask me the cast of Designing Women. I'll give you the whole cast <laughs> from top to bottom. So the point is that right now, the average home has 600 stations. Yeah. yeah. They have internet. They have live streaming. They have gaming that they can do. They can play games on it. So just the fact that somebody knows you, that wants to show up, that sees you, and is phenomenal to me. So the fact that I'm on a TV show now that, yeah. you know, 10, 12 million people tune Her into. Episode, yeah. uh, nobody's luckier than I am. The fact that I'm my age and still, you know, a lot of the comics that I started out with, you know, I could give those that you probably know because you guys are in comedy, but those are names of people that were great that people don't even know. People right. like Tim Thomerson. Do you know who he is? No. I you don't know? Can't say that I do, no. Oh, well, he One of the best improvisational comics there ever was you know jeff wow. altman yes yes yeah. Same okay. the comedy store yeah. yeah but i'm saying he but he was great right he and you see and, guys like that and you're like why aren't they more but they were on the tonight show right. people knew their name and they were given shows and uh you know and and then the, you know you have your time. some people it happens and some people just right i mean but just, it happens and goes away yeah. you know careers mm -hmm. are come ebbs back. and flows yeah. and here i am sitting here after all these years and at this particular moment, I'm on something that people know. And any time I'm on something that people know and I can have a good time, I wouldn't have even, even dreamed that that was a job, what I'm doing now on AGT. <laughs> right. you, know, you could be on a talent show, but just to sit there, I always want people to laugh and smile. Yeah. And now I'm sitting there watching a show that I'd be watching alone at home in my underpants anyway. <laughs> th this, now I'm there. Commenting the way you would comment. comment. That was yeah. good. That was yeah. good. That doesn't seem like a job. Yeah. Do you it, think it is? Uh, uh, the the two moments I'm curious too big. You'd say just to be lucky to have that job, but like uh, also to be uh, like when you um, Drew Lynch, who's a uh, uh, you know comedian, and that whole moment. I mean, that seemed like it was pretty um, awesome. You know, to be um, witness to just as good as I think it is to watch on TV, but even to be there live. It's way better when you're in the room for any oh, of this. My yeah. God, to be there when somebody's uh, dreams are unfolding in front of you. You mm -hmm. know, you know what this means to somebody. A similar right. energy you know, to Deal or No Deal when you're with them and the money's at stake, right? You're seeing these people on stage. Well, with and the, the money. You know, you open up the, the the four times in five years and 500 episodes that I opened up that case that they had, that they remained with, and there was a yeah. million dollars. It happened four times? Four times in wow. 500 shows. And and uh, when I opened up that case and that person is standing there, their life was never going to be the. I, I had such a small part. I mean, that was luck, right? Yeah. Such a small, but just to be there and witness in the room that energy, that electricity. I mean, if you're sitting in a room by yourself doing work at a desk, and somebody's in the doorway mm -hmm. watching you, a family member. You know, you get a sense that somebody's watching you or somebody's in the room. I think humanity gives sure. off an, you know, kind of some, electricity. Some sort of energy that there you kind of, yeah. So our energy in life changes, goes up and, uh, up and down. You, and, and this sounds much more spiritual than I even mean it to be. But when you're in the room and up close to somebody whose life is changing, exploding, every right. dream is coming true. When you're in a room with somebody like Drew Lynch, and for those that didn't watch the show, he was a guy who got into an accident and he- Softball hit him in the throat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and now he stutters, so it, um, being able to express himself is harder, and he's chosen the path of stand-up comedy, which is all about communication, Right. and he killed it, he crushed it. That audience was standing, that audience was screaming, the tears were rolling out of his eyes, and I got to press the golden buzzer to send yeah, him all amazing. the way to the, oh. to the uh, Radio City Music Hall. 
just to be a small witness to it was enough yeah. than to be. I, I would have been happy to be in the audience. Sure. And people told me, you know, I could see on social network what it yeah. was like to watch it. It is amazing, and it feels like a privilege. Well, and and re- whether you go to Deal or No Deal or America's Got Talent, you've got to witness, like you say, how many times can you in s- someone's life can a moment happen, and you go, okay, my life was one way until this moment, and then from here on out, it's going to be a completely different thing. Maybe you know when your you know when your what? kids think, are born. Yes. When you get uh, when when you get a, a crazy new promotion or a new job or a or in your case when you give a someone a suitcase full of money a contract to appear a development deal they win a competition you're there for that moment where right. nothing is ever going to be the same again. Usually those kind of life changing moments, as you just pointed out, yeah. are usually private and in, yes. you know, the, my most life changing moments, my two most life changing moments, positive and negative, were the birth of my children sure. and the loss of my father. Yeah. You know, both of those weren't, you know, for public consumption. So the fact that I'm part of something that is I believe equally as life changing for these people, mm-hmm. at least in the context of what they're doing and in their sure. lives, to be there is amazing. Yeah. And that's why it makes for good television, and that's why they it's you real. Know, they broadcast it. Yeah. And uh, do you have some sort of special soft spot for the comics that come on? Yeah. That- and, uh, it's not even a special soft spot. It's a knowledge. Mm-hmm. And the knowledge is this, and you both know this as comedians. You know, we are given the short end of the stick. Sure. We really are. Yeah. Because people do not understand. They just think, you're funny guys, you know, yeah. there you are and you're just going up and talking. And it's, right. you know, Jerry Seinfeld, he once, I saw him win an award and uh, he said it best. He really did. He did this whole uh, dissertation on, and I'm not going to do this justice, justice but I'll, sure. I'll tell you it's Jerry. They give him an award for uh, comedy achievement. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, it's funny because as a, co- a comic, we don't really get accolades and awards you know no even johnny carson who proposed you know supposedly you know celebrated comedy you had to be waved over to come sit down but yeah, donnie would. most would come out and sit down and talk about how he got into character or a singer mm-hmm. would come out and sing a song that they didn't write right right that they're just singing and then they'd sit down on the couch but a comic you know and even the clowns in the circus are coming at the end and they clean yeah. up and they yeah. use this filler in between the you yeah. have to be wa- you have to be waved over but he said it's very funny in our business you know, uh, the people that get awards and the most important night of show business is the Academy Awards, right. which gives awards to people who act. And think about the actor. Mm-hmm. So an actor will get up and he'll usually be he or she will be driven to wherever they have to go mm-hmm. and where they have to go. Somebody will dress them. They'll help them get dressed. They'll comb their hair. They'll put makeup on them and then they'll be sent into a room. And in that room, they'll put a piece of tape on the floor and they say, what I need you to do is when I tell you to go, I need you to walk in and, and stop at that piece of tape. Mm-hmm. Okay, and when you get to that piece of tape, then they give them a script, and they go, "I need you to say." Say these the words. ghost is inside that vagina. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, but I need you to say these words. Yes, right. So they walk in and they stop at the tape, and they say these words, and the director goes, "Cut!" No, try it again. That wasn't good. You know, mm-hmm. the, and then they do it again, and then they do it again, and then they do it again, and they do it again, so that the, the director can get like a really good angle, and then they go take that into an edit bay, and they cut it, and they put music under it, and you watch the guy go to the tape, not say any word he was gonna say and they go fucking brilliant that guy's brilliant a comedian Mm -hmm. a comedian writes his own material creates his own character does his own performances with nobody he's self-directed besides the order in which he wants to deliver it 
and has to elicit from a group of strangers a response every 30 seconds. Not an easy response, on, not just a pattern. On the first take. Yes. You can't, you can't be like, yeah. you know what? I, That's it. I, I didn't say that joke right. Let, let me try that again. They go, that was funny. Yeah. But the thing about <laughs> it is, you know, it's very funny because even when the comedians are hosting all these award shows, they go, yeah. ah, he didn't do such a good job. Yeah. Yeah. You see so-and-so's dress. <laughs> yeah. you, you know? Oh, my God. And, and, You're and, you so know, right. And Fuck ultimately, right. ultimately, you know, the, I remember one. Seth MacFarlane wasn't funny, but Gwyneth. Did you see but Gwyneth? Gwyneth. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but we say they're brilliant. And yeah. in the Academy Awards, people get up and they, if they're going to make they're, a political statement, and they go, that is so, that, that you don't do that at that night. This is a very pious right. night. This room is filled with people who pretend for a living. And they're brave. Oh, the bravery, Howie. And brilliant. They're and so we'll brave. Take, and we'll take political uh, direction <laughs> from these people who pretend. Yeah. Right. But comics are nothing. And uh, so my empathy is, I understand what goes into it. Yeah. I'm not making more of myself, but it's just harder to do sure. to elicit laughter and to maintain a career in comedy than it is. You got to be lucky as an actor to get the part. And you, I'm not taking away from there is a talent mm-hmm. in pretending, but there's a loss. There's also a lot of help. Right. That a uh, comic doesn't have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe somebody will take this statement out of context. How he says, F you, Gwyneth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's what he think, says. Is that why you still do? Because uh, Rich was just telling us you have uh, about 100 dates still a, a year. I'll never stop doing that. No matter what I do, I do uh, like a, at least 100 tour dates a year. Mm-hmm. I think if I'm going to be on television, if I'm going to make television, I produce, I write. Yeah. I perform. did our buddy Theo's show, uh, uh, Deal With It, which is so yeah. good. Thank Theo's you. Good buddy, yeah, yeah but, but I think for me to have the sensibility, even as a comedian or somebody does television, I think you lose it living here in L.A. and New York and just being behind the scenes of... This is not the real world. No, so right. to stand in front of an audience in Iowa, in Oklahoma, in mm-hmm. Illinois, in where the world is real, and even through their sensibility of their sense of humor, you kind of get a sense of what people are responding to. A thousand yeah. percent. And yeah. you look at a lot of TV that's on now, the reason the networks are going into the toilet is I don't think they're speaking to the average people, the people that we have to speak to as comics who get on a stage in front no. of those people. Somebody right. told me that Adam Sandler, uh, somebody asked him, like, why do you make you know, movies like Grown Ups and all these? He's like, I make movies. Movies for um, middle America because that's who goes to see them. He's absolutely right. And that's why he's successful and that's yeah. why he deserves to be successful. Yeah. Right. At, at, um, I, I did want to touch, yeah, I did want to touch very briefly on A, your book, because uh, we both read it. Yeah. And uh, my dad, uh, my dad has OCD. Right. And uh, so we've talked to Mark Summers on this podcast and we talked to him about the OCD. And, uh, and it, it, to me, it's, the, the, the most fascinating part about meeting with meeting with someone with that condition is that they all know it's crazy, but they can't help it. Like they but can't. That's, the, that's yeah. why it's a debilitating. Right. If you didn't know it, and it was just you know the way you acted, and if it, you know, the fact that the, it seems like you're out of control, you're controlling, you're obsessing, and you mm-hmm. possibly have to do things, and whether it's rituals or thoughts or you know, my cleanliness or whatever it is, the fact that intellectually you know that this is not right, that it really yeah. doesn't matter, is what kills you and yeah. creates anxiety, you know? And I just wish, you know, it, it's something that I continually struggle with. As I talk to you, I'm medicated and I seek a lot of help for it. And mm-hmm. it's hard, mm-hmm. but everybody's got a hard time and it's just about coping skills, you know? But it, there's been so many times when I've been caught in the... Uh, 
the wheel of hell mm-hmm. of trying to get out of sure. some sort of uh, skipping it, record. Well, and and my biggest question to you then is, how does someone with OCD and ADHD sit down to write a book? Because <laughs> that seems like something that you, well, that you would need. One of the hardest things I, I had done. Yeah, I, it took over a year, and I had a uh, an editor and a co-author with me. Mm-hmm. Um, what was his name? Rich. The co- who was traveling with me? Who was his name's on the book? Anyway, we're gonna yeah. get his name. Is it here? The book? No. <laughs> That's what I. All right. So anyway, he he traveled with me, and like you're doing right now, we sat down and talked, and he always recorded. Okay. So he just kind of, you know, it's it is my voice, it is my words, mm-hmm. but I had somebody curating and putting it in. That seems like the way to do it. Yeah. Especially for a comic, yeah, because we talk. He was on the road with me. Yeah, it's awesome. So off the, you know, in in the hotels or at lunch, it took a year Mm -hmm. of just recording everything I said and then just transcribing that. How many times would you go through and and maybe um, just read the whole thing and be like, oh yeah, this is? I think you transcribed this. Well, he would transcribe, you know, like uh, what we talked about last night. Yeah, and uh, I'd go, you know what? That shouldn't be. What's his name? Josh Young. Josh Young. There we go. Yeah, it's so Don't Touch he, Me. You can get it, uh, I guess, and, I mean, the audiobook is what I uh, listened to, which was yeah. uh, The audiobook's fantastic. on iTunes, the book's on Amazon. You can go to aboutlastnightpodcast.com, click on the Amazon banner, and then order Howie's book. There it is. And then uh, go see him when he uh, when Howie he Mandel.com signs is that uh, where all your dates are? I came up with that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, Howie, just, just, ha- just having this conversation w- with you has been so great because... A, uh, you're an immensely talented guy, funny guy who I saw do stand-up a few weeks ago, and I had never seen you actually do stand-up before. Right. And that was so great to see you, and because I I know you from Bobby's World. I know you from America's Got Talent. I, I, I know you from the game show. I, even though I know you're a comic, I don't know you. I've never seen your comedy. So to see you be funny and still just kill that audience you had a great set that night i don't remember how the set went i know that when when i saw you i we were mm-hmm. in the laugh factory i was writing we were gonna do yes. i was gonna be hosting one of the galas at uh, just for laughs for the cw i think that's gonna air and mm-hmm. so i had to uh find material so i went yeah. from club to club to club doing that and that's where we met it's yeah. great that you still rich was even saying when you guys were up in i don't somewhere in canada where you would be having coffee and then you would pop in at well, a club a comedy to club just... i just like to, that's where i write yeah, you know, that's how I write. Because you're doing big theaters and stuff when you're touring, yeah. Right, but I but writing, I really don't know. You know what tells me if something's funny? I mean, mm-hmm. I think something's funny, but if I hear the noise of haha, then I know it's funny. Yeah. yeah. So even if I have an idea, I gotta get in front of people mm-hmm. to do it. So I look for after a theater if I'm not tired and there's a club around, I'll drop in on the. It's club. a different energy, right, in the it's comedy different. club versus. I love it. Yeah. I love I love the intimacy of being right there and seeing somebody's face and. And just the immediacy, yeah, yeah, you know, it's great. I mean, and just seeing the broad, the broad spectrum of your career, whether it be game show host, whether it be hidden camera stuff, whether it be children's television, whether it be whether it be stand up, it's really cool to see how many things you've been involved in, and like we said before, how how many fans how that that broad spectrum of fans that you have, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what. Ghost Hunters does for you because <laughs> I think the next level. I next think level. I think it could really take you to that next level, and I'm really and I'm really hopeful that it, that that will happen for we you. We didn't because even you absolutely deserve it. We didn't even get get to get in, and maybe we can do this next time. But like the prank aspect of your life, and I know it's a big thing, but right. I want to maybe just ask this question: the um, clearly Oprah is a, a pal of yours. 
No. No? That was me. See that another highlight. That was me. She, when Deal or No Deal took off, she wanted to play it. So we went out to Chicago. We did it on her show, on the Oprah show. That's oh my me God. playing Deal or No Deal with Oprah. Holy crap. Yeah. That's how big it got. It got huge. It how, huge. How much money does Oprah have to win for her to get excited? She was doing it for a charity. Oh, okay. Now, here's a yeah. question. <laughs> See, those are all the, the, the other things. They're, I don't know if the, the next picture over is me. That's me in a line. I'm the second one with the shiny shirt. That's the 80s. I hosted <laughs> Expo 86, the World Fair, on the same shelf as the Oprah picture. That, that's Charles and Die. I did oh, a show no. with Charles and Die for Charles and Die. Wow, how was that? Cool. Were you who nervous? Thinks this idiot kid, <laughs> you know, who really doesn't do much. You know, is that how you still think of it when you think of this stuff? Yeah. Like when you see his pictures, my, my, you're like, my wife and I every day. I never dreamed I'd live in California. I never dreamed I'd be in show business. <laughs> From that amateur night at Yuck Yucks, there I am with Charles and Die. There I am with yeah. Oprah. There I am on the the point of these pictures is that was a, the set of the Tonight Show. Johnny Carson was iconic in my house. You know, everybody watched The Tonight Show. That was the show. And that's, you know, I got his cards. You know, everything kind of, you know, Bobby's World right there. You see the Bobby's World thing? Yeah. That's the Happy Meal. We were the biggest oh, seller. that's right, I was dude. a Bobby's wow. World Happy Meal. In one week, they told me they gave out, we set a record, 40 million toys. So 40 million little, this thing where I sat yeah. in the room and I told you where the guy's going. I'm going, hey, this is what he sounds like. And they're going, yeah. does he look like this? That was in every McDonald's. McDonald's was the biggest thing. That picture right behind you, that is Karen Van. I just looked at it. Yeah. That's the first episode, the first time I walked in stage, right here, the bottom one. Yep. And that's where I'm, I'm just staring into her eyes going, I, I got to throw out all my fucking jokes. Now, not to, <laughs> not to knock you down a peg, but 40 million kids did buy those toys, but, you know, billions more didn't buy those toys, Howie. <laughs> and that's... Welcome to me. Yeah. Welcome to me. I know that. With, that goes unsaid. Yeah. Howie, uh, uh, thank, thank you, you so thank much. You. Yeah, this was thank so you, fun. So, that's the show. Thanks for tuning in. We had laughs and stories. Now go listen to more episodes on iTunes or your phone. Subscribe and tell your family and everyone you know. But what should I tell them? Well, you can just tell them that Brad Williams and Adam Ray can help you get through the fucking day. Just follow us on Twitter at Funny Brad and I'm at Adam Ray Comedy. This has been the About Last Night Podcast. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's me, Tony Danza. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the About Last Night Podcast with Brad Williams and Adam Ray. Boy, they're a lot of fun, huh? Why don't you subscribe on iTunes to this fucking podcast, give them a five-star rating so this midget and this Jew can feel good about themselves for a couple minutes. Also, get on your iPhone or Android and get the podcast app. You can also listen to it on Stitcher or aboutlastnightpodcast.com, where you can hear past episodes with great guests like Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Kevin Nealon, Bob Saget, Dion Cole, Chris D'Elia, Adam Devine, Michael McDonald, Jaleel White, Bud Friedman, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Tom Arnold, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Jessime Peluso, Joey McIntyre, and many, many more. I'm Tony Danza. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. Good night. That's it, right? You got it? Sweet. Boy, it smells good in that booth, by the way. What kind of candle is that? Hanukkah Willow? <laughs> nice.